pilot episode of John's Big Boy. I am your host, Hot Mike Johnny, and what a treat it is to be doing this. Um, you know, it's, we're going to be talking about fantasy football. This is just uh, the first installment, week one, and we've already kicked off what you know is a, a really promising football season with unbelievable game between Dallas and Tampa Bay. Um, you know, I, I, I had the bucks winning like I think most people did. I thought it would be closer than the spread suggested, but I had no idea that we were going to come within a Ryan suck up field goal of a major Dallas upset. So, I mean, the viewership for the game was uh, was off the charts. You know, people tuned in. People miss football. Um, having the fans in the stadium, man, what? It's, it's a rush. So I felt like a kid on Christmas Day. It's Christmas in September. Football is back. Once again, this is just uh, the first of a weekly episodic show that uh, we're going to cover some, uh, some love-hate. Uh, players here uh, for fantasy football. Um, <clears throat> Going to give you some some thoughts, some opinions on who you should start, who you should, you know, maybe sit or at least, uh, you know, downgrade as far as your weekly rankings go. We're going to get into all that. I'll break it down by position. But um, man, I'm just uh, I'm just excited. I'm just you know, I- I'm stoked to be doing this for you guys. So. Um, yeah, without uh, further ado, I wanted to go ahead and jump right in. Um, I think uh, it's, you could probably say that the uh, the best place to start is the captain of your football team, the quarterback position. And, um, you know, I got uh, a couple loves, a couple hates this week for week one. Um, leading off is Kyler Murray. As, as part as the uh, part of the love list, um, Kyler Murray, of course, has the Week One matchup against the Titans. Um, now, this is a Titans defense that allowed the fourth most passing yards last year, so that's right off the bat. That's good news for them. Um, you know, and then they you know with uh, Yahoo scoring, they also you know the Titans defense also allowed the fifth most points to quarterbacks last year, so. Um, you know, right off the bat, I think Kyler Murray has a very uh, exciting, mouth-watering, and appetizing matchup against the Titans defense that just isn't that good. You know, I know they've overhauled uh, their secondary and tried to bump up the pass rush because they just couldn't get to the quarterback uh, last year. But, you know, Kyler's dynamic. You know, he's he, he runs the ball as well as any quarterback. Um, you know, maybe... Uh, you know, the only guy that, that you can make an argument runs better than him would be Lamar Jackson, who um, also happens to find his, his way onto this list this week. Um, just the fact that he's so hard to contain and you have one of the most dynamic and productive wide receivers in the game, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, yeah, I mean, th- this is a great matchup for Kyler Murray. Obviously, you know, if you drafted him, probably – I'm guessing somewhere in the, you know, anywhere between the the fourth, fifth, or sixth rounds of your fantasy draft. Um, you know, this is going to be a guy that 
you were going to start regardless. But, uh, you know, I'm looking at it from a weekly perspective, and this is absolutely a great matchup for them. Um, also, uh, you know, the, the betting polls here have have this game, the Titans and Cardinals, as one of the highest, if not the highest, scoring um, scoring games. I think the over-under is 54 points, and I think that um, both of these offenses are fully capable of hitting that over. Um, because, you know, honestly, Arizona's defense isn't all that great either. So, um, you know, Tennessee had the fourth highest or fourth best fantasy offense in in football last year, and you just added Julio Jones. So, you know, I mean, listen, this is going to be a game that I could see, you know, both teams pushing, you know, 30 points plus. So um, a great, great matchup for Kyler Murray. Um, wanted to move on Lamar Jackson next up on my love list. Um, what was it? I think finished 2019 as the top rated, uh, quarterback score in the game kind of fell back to earth last year a little bit, but still finished as a top 10 guy. And then, um, you know, Baltimore upgraded his receivers, um, offensive line, you know, basically gave him weapons to play with, still retains, you know, Mark Andrews, who's probably favorite uh, red zone target. Um, and not to mention the injuries. That's that's really the, the big key here, the injuries to the running back position. First you lose J.K. Dobbins, then you lose Gus Edwards, now you lose Justin, uh, Justice Hill. Um, I, you know, with the, the rash of injuries to Baltimore's backfield, I could see Lamar Jackson shouldering even more of the load to uh, you know to to carry Baltimore this season. So obviously, I think that means you know better prospects from a fantasy standpoint. If he's going to be asked to do more than um, you know everybody you know who owns him, who drafted him, wants to you know see him get back to that you know thousand yard rushing plateau, which is so hard to attain for a quarterback. Um, you know, he, you know, basically, you know, it, it's what makes him special. He and he and Kyler Murray alike. So, um, you know, that's yeah. I I love the matchup against Vegas. Um, I know we're we're talking about you know how how well he runs, and you know, of course, he does. That's that's why you got him. Uh, but Vegas allowed the six most passing yards last year. Um, yeah, it does doesn't hurt or help that you're playing in a division with Patrick Mahomes and you got to play him twice a year. But still, with all that said, um, Vegas has a very vulnerable defense. They don't get to the quarterback very well. They make a lot of mistakes. I I really think Baltimore and specifically Lamar Jackson have what it takes to uh, to exploit this matchup. Um, I I see him going off. I can see you know 25 plus points easy in this game. So, um, yeah, starting with confidence, not that you weren't already. And then lastly, um, you know, my, uh, my last love for the, uh, for the quarterback positions, Matt Stafford really, really like him against a, a depleted bears secondary, uh, who lost two of their top three corners from last year. Um, 
you know, he, he obviously moves from Detroit, which is sputtering, had little to no talent on the offensive side of the ball, moves to the, uh, the Los Angeles Rams, and now you got weapons galore. You got Robert Woods, you got Cooper Cup, you had, well, you did have Cam Akers, and then he got hurt, but um, Tyler Higby, you know, to, to name a couple. Um, you know, better, <laughs> what can't be understated, the better offensive line. He's going to stay upright. Now, this is a guy that has inherent injury risk with his back, missed uh, missed a lot of time last year uh, with the back injuries, um, playing behind a, a porous Detroit offensive line. That's not the case any longer. The Rams are much better suited to put him in a in a position to succeed. And um, you know, the high octane offense, Sean McVay, still the offensive genius we think he is. And I have no doubts that he's going to be able to exploit this uh, Chicago Bears defense in week one, um, especially since I don't think that the Rams are going to try to pound the ball on the ground. I know Daryl Henderson has been a little dinged up in camp with a thumb injury. As I mentioned earlier, Cam Akers is out for the year. Um, they did trade for Sony Michelle. Um, but, you know, he's only been there a week, week and a half, so it's, you know, hard to say if he's even comfortable with the playbook yet and, you know, if they're even willing to put him on the field, which I think they are to an extent. They probably have a couple of sub-packages for him. But um, I think all that translates into a heavy passing load for week one against the Bears. I uh, wanted to move on to my quarterback hate list now. And leading off is a guy that you could have made the argument as the number one fantasy quarterback heading into the draft and could have even drafted him ahead of Mahomes, and that is Josh Allen. Um, not to say I don't like him, period, because I obviously I do. Um, I think this week, going up against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who led the league in sacks last year, um, it, it's not the greatest matchup. I think you can find plenty of guys that, you know, could could and probably should outscore Josh Allen. Um, once again, the Steelers allowed the fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks last year, the third fewest passing yards last year, and even when they played each other last year, the Bills and Steelers, um, Josh Allen only ran for 28 yards. So, I mean, it's not like you can really trust the guy to use his legs to, to get you those valuable points as well. So, you know, I mean, I, I think somewhere along the lines of 20 points, you know, max, not, I mean, once again, not a bad game, and that's something you could definitely bank. But for somebody that you drafted, you know, maybe as highly as the, the fourth round, but, you know, trying to get that fourth, fifth round uh, quarterback, I mean, listen, you're, you're putting a lot of value on a quarterback if you're taking them that early. Josh Allen deserves it, but just this week, I don't love it. I think that there are better, more exploitable matchups up, uh, out there, um, some of which I, I alluded to earlier. Um, next on the hate list is Tua Tagovailoa. Um, going up against New England, do not love this matchup. A uh, couple reasons. First off, New England's defense is much stronger this season. They've got a lot of returning players. Um, they've done a lot through free agency and the draft to shore up the defense. 
Um, and even last year, while they had all these guys holding out because of COVID and whatnot, they still allowed the seventh fewest passing touchdowns last year with just 22. I mean, that, that's pretty impressive for a team that you know was written off because of all the, the holdouts. Um, more specifically to Tua, he only threw two touchdowns in three out of the nine games he played, or two or more touchdowns, rather. Um, <clears throat> I, I just don't have a lot of confidence in a guy that, listen, he's accurate. You know, we've, we've always known that. We've always said that, okay, his accuracy is his best trait, but there's nothing else about him that really, there's no wow factor. There is nothing about him I, that I think separates him from the next guy. In fact, last year, Ryan Fitzpatrick played circles around him, but, you know, they they gave him the playing time because he needed it. Um, but with that said, a stronger New England defense, um, I, I, I don't like the matchup. I, I think he's going to get rocked, honestly, and Bill Belichick has a way of dealing with young. And I know he's not a rookie anymore, but he's still a very young, inexperienced quarterback, hasn't had a full season under his belt yet. Um, and you know, Bill Belichick has his way with young quarterbacks. Um, last year in the, the one matchup against the Patriots, he did play in two of that is 20 of 26. Sounds good, right? Accurate. Absolutely. A buck 45, no touchdowns and a pick. The only reason that game was salvageable from a fantasy standpoint is because he got a couple of cheap goal line rushing touchdowns. So, I mean, you're, you're looking at it, you're probably looking at five points, give or take, with that passing line, um, you know, depending on your scoring. But, yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> that was against the depleted Patriots defense. Now you want to see what they can do with a full offseason and full, uh, you know, returning starters. I, I'm not confident in Tua's, uh, Tua's outlook here for week one. And uh, lastly... As far as the quarterbacks go, um, Jalen Hurts is on the week one hate list. couple reasons here. Um, you know, in the limited time that we saw him as a starter, just one and three as a starter. Now, now listen, I, I know the Eagles were bad, and they're still going to be bad. There's nothing about that team right now that gives me confidence in saying that they are going to turn their season around that they're going to be much improved from last year. Um, in fact, I think it's going to be more of the same. To me, they are the worst team in the NFC East. And that's saying a lot because that's a pretty rough division to start with. But with with Hertz as a starter, and once again, one and three, completed just 52% of his passes. That's not what you're looking for out of your quarterback. Now, I get it. You didn't draft Jalen Hurts because he can throw the ball. You drafted him because he runs it. Well, you're right. You know, he, he is a dual threat quarterback and he is talented. He is a talented runner. But I want you to, to pump the brakes. The guy fumbles like Jameis Winston. All right. I'm, I'm give you a couple numbers here. In just 334 snaps played last year. Bear in mind, that is not a lot. 334 snaps. He fumbled nine times. 
Now, he only lost two of them, but still, that's that's more luck than anything. Nine fumbles. To put that in perspective, Jameis Winston from 2019, his last full season with the Bucks, fumbled 12 times in over 1,100 snaps. 1128 to be exact. Now you extrapolate it. Basically, it's three times the number. No, I don't expect Jalen Hurts to fumble the ball 27 times. That would be ridiculous. However, it's something to take note of. The guy is and will continue to be, until he hones his craft, a turnover machine. I'm not even counting the interceptions that he threw. So if you... I understand if you drafted him, he, he, depending on where you got him, you, you might feel that he's a bargain. This week, I'm not I'm not feeling it. Atlanta, I know, I know, juicy matchup on paper. You know how I alluded to these fumbles? Atlanta tied for second last year in forced fumbles. Just saying, as, as a defense, just saying, it's something to be mindful for. If you're expecting... You know, this huge 30-plus point game, pump the brakes, curb your enthusiasm a little bit. I'm not so confident that he's going to deliver. not saying it can't happen because, once again, Atlanta does have a pretty bad overall defense. But Jalen is also a turnover machine, so just bear that in mind. Uh, So, you know, that about covers it for the quarterbacks here for week one. If you have any suggestions on uh, somebody I missed on either side, definitely feel free to let me know in the comments Um, so we're going to go ahead and take our first break when we come back i'm going to go ahead and hit up the running backs that you should play for week one John's big board. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and cover the running backs for week one that you should be targeting. Got a little more love-hate for you. Once again, starting in that love column, uh, James Robinson, Jacksonville. Second year in a row that his starting job has been delivered to him on a silver platter due to injury. Um, This year, a little bit different than last year where... um, you know, last year, nobody knew who this guy was. Now, this year, you know, coming off, what, I believe a 1,200, 1,300-yard season, uh, very productive for an undrafted rookie, you know, comes in, he's going to get a share of the playing time no matter what. But preseason, Travis Etienne, first-round draft pick out of Clemson, um, Liz Frank injury, going to sideline him for his entire rookie season. Robinson's right back into his full three-down, no-holes-barred starting role. So, uh, great situation for him, especially against the Texans, who can't stop a cold. They can't stop anybody. Allowed 160 rushing yards a game last year, dead last in the league. Jacksonville's offensive line, 
way better than anything Houston's putting out on the opposite side of the ball. I expect Robinson to have a very productive week on the ground, and that's not even take into account how well he catches the ball. You know, uh, Trevor Lawrence, I can imagine checking down to him quite a bit. Um, honestly, I, I think Jacksonville is just going to have their way with Houston. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 not going to be pretty. Honestly, I think Jacksonville could easily, as a team, put up thirty points or more. And honestly, I just don't know if Houston's going to you know be able to stop them. Um, last, I mean, last year alone, Robinson put up about 26 points in uh, full PPR scoring in his his two matchups last, uh, once again, last season. So, you know, split in half, about 13 points a game. That's, uh, (laughs) I mean, that's nothing to scoff at. You know, if you're getting double-digit points, I know out of an RB1, you're looking for a little bit more than that, but I think most people drafted Robinson in that RB2, RB3 range. So if you're getting 13 or more points, which I think, once again, you know, you can almost bank on it. Um, you're going to be happy with that. So, um, yeah, the, definitely a, a juicy matchup for Robinson here. Uh, moving on, we got Chase Edmonds in Arizona. Uh, we talked a little bit about the Cardinals-Titans matchup when, um, when I had, was talking about Kyler Murray on the love list. Chase Edmonds is going to also bleed into the love column here. Titans are vulnerable against pass catching backs. You know, last year they they allowed almost five catches to running backs per game. That's Edmonds' bread and butter. I mean, he was sixth in receiving yards for running backs and sixth in, in targets for running backs last year. So you know he's going to get the rock. You know they're going to target him in the pass game. And as of right now, it seems like he's the lead back ahead of James Conner. We still haven't seen, you know, what role either of those guys are going to carve out in the long run, but Edmonds is the more talented back, definitely catches the ball better, more dynamic, and more familiar with the system. So all things are pointing towards a very productive day for Chase Edmonds. It's a guy that you probably drafted as maybe a flex player, you know, at best an RB2, probably an RB3. Um, I would absolutely have them in your lineups for week one. Tennessee allowed the seventh most uh, fantasy points to running backs in Yahoo scoring last year. Um, once again, this is a retooled defense that still not very good. Maybe a little bit better than last year, but all in all, still very beatable. And, you know, when it comes to yards, Tennessee gives them up in bunches. So I would start Edmonds with confidence. And then lastly, a guy that, once again, nobody was thinking of in the beginning of the year, but due to injuries, we're looking at Tyson Williams in Baltimore. You know, with Dobbins, Edwards, and Hill all going down before a meaningful a meaningful snap even occurs. This is a great opportunity against a very vulnerable Las Vegas defense. They were 24th against the run last year. I think you're looking at positive game script. Um, you know, Lamar and and company will do the heavy lifting early. I expect, uh, you know, if they, they come out to a, a pretty substantial lead, you're looking at a lot of activity for the third and fourth quarters for Tyson Williams to, uh, to rack up some garbage time numbers. 
And, um, and hey, not bad for a flex guy, right? With that said, moving on to my hate list, Saquon Barkley. Very polarizing. A lot of people like him in the first round. People like myself downgraded him a little bit. I had him uh, ranked as a, a middle of the second round kind of guy um, for obvious reasons. The talent is there. It's always been there. This guy is is a monster physically, but he's coming off a major knee injury. He hasn't played a meaningful down in almost a full year. Um, I think he's going to be on a pitch count. He's still listed as questionable for week one, although all signs are pointing to him playing against Denver. Um, the problem is, even if he plays, the offense is just, man, it, it's a wreck. The offensive line is terrible. They ranked in the bottom eighth in both pass and run, according to Pro Football Focus. And once again, Pro Football Focus has Denver's D-line as the 10th best. Got Vaughn Miller coming back, Bradley Chubb, and then, you know, who, you know, in, in fairness is questionable for the game. I expect him to play, but Shelby Harris, you know, on the inside. This is not a good matchup for a recovering Saquon Barkley. This is not going to be. I, I don't think this is going to tell what Barkley's season will look like. It's early. Once again, I think he's on a pitch count. Um, if they, if you have better options, you know, especially if you went running back heavy in your draft or you've managed to pull off a trade or whatever the case is, if you have another option, I wouldn't have Barkley more than a flex in, in this particular week. Moving on, absolutely. I think as he, you know, gets healthier, gets more acclimated to the contact and, and the speed of the game again, absolutely. He's going to return health presuming, um, to the fantasy beast that we all know. But this week, I, I still I think the Giants have training wheels on him and you know the kid gloves. I'm not that confident in RB1 numbers that you drafted him for. Uh, next, we got Josh Jacobs. Um, don't love the matchup against Baltimore. You know, we've talked about that. I think there's going to be a negative game, game script for the Raiders, um, you got Kenyon Drake kind of eating into his workload. Um, it's not like Jacobs evolved into the great pass catcher that he said he was going to. So his efficiency dropped like a rock from 4.8 yards per carry to 3.9 last year. Um, the offensive line for the Raiders is not good. PFF grades him at 26th. Um, I just... I. <laughs> This is not a matchup that I feel great about Josh Jacobs. Baltimore's defense, top eight in rushing yards allowed and rushing TDs allowed. If you have better options, get them. You know, I mean, maybe a flex, you know, I mean, because the guy's going to get volume early. You know, I'm, I'm sure that they're going to try to get him the ball early and try to bleed the clock a little bit and keep Baltimore's offense off the field. But. I just I'm not looking at a very productive week for Josh Jacobs all in all. And then lastly, we got Miles Gaskin uh from Miami going up against New England's defense who we talked about a little bit earlier uh when we were covering Tua. Um got some some reservations with Gaskin, uh specifically kind of a dialed back role. 
We don't know exactly how he's going to fit in this season. I know last season when they used him, they used him like a lead back. But he also got hurt. So we don't know if durability is going to be a concern in the long run. There's just not a big enough sample size. But I do think that they will dial back his role a little bit. They got Malcolm Brown that they brought in from the Rams. They got Salvin Ahmed, who they've uh, retained, who looked good in spurts um, when he took over for Gaskin's uh, injuries last year. And the thing that really that stood out to me here is in 10 games, Miles Gaskin found the end zone three times on the ground. Just three. I'm sorry, that that's not going to cut it for me. Now, I know he was drafted as an RB2, RB3, kind of in that, you know, probably somewhere in the fifth, sixth, seventh round if you were lucky if he fell. Um, you know, I mean, so there's, there's good value in the long run. This week, I don't like it. New England's uh, defensive line grades, kind of middle of the pack, about 15th, while here's another scary part. Miami's offensive line grades out 29th. They are not good at protecting uh, Tua, and they're not very good at blocking for the run. So everything that we saw Gaskin do last season was really on him. It's not like he gets a lot of help from a from a good offensive line. And with New England's defense coming back to full strength and then adding pieces, this is not a guy that I would want to be um, you know, forced to start here in week one. Once again, you know, if, if there's anybody that you think I missed, hit me up in the comment section. Let me know what you think. If you agree, disagree, love to uh, love to have it out with you. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna go back to uh, airing it out, talking about the receivers and the tight ends that I like for week one. Stick around. Welcome back to the pilot episode of John's Big Board. Having a lot of fun, man, about uh, halfway through now. And, uh, yeah, getting ready to cover the receivers and tight ends. Just want to thank you guys again for listening. If you made it this far, um, yeah, I I expected it's going to get better. But, uh, you know, once again, pilot episode, doing this, uh, just kind of by the seat of my pants. just blessed. Thankful to, to have the opportunity to to just share some of my insight and um, hopefully give some good fantasy advice for you guys moving forward. Uh, once again, yeah, wanted to uh, hit on some of the receivers and tight ends for week one. Um, honestly, as far as the love list here, this is pretty much chalk. You know, these are guys that I think you would start with confidence no matter what, essentially matchup proof. But given the matchups here, it's just too good to ignore. And this will be the third Cardinal on the list, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, Not much more to be said here. You know, once again, subpar Tennessee secondary. It's probably going to be seeing a lot of Janoris Jenkins, but if I'm DeAndre Hopkins, 
one you know arguably the best wide receiver on the planet i am not concerned um you know the the titans allowed the second most points to receivers last year um this is going to be a high scoring matchup i expect a lot of volume for hopkins um you know in in his first season last year with kyler murray still caught 1400 yards and I mean, what, six touchdowns with possible positive regression for the end zone. I mean, <laughs> the I don't think that we've seen the upside or the ceiling for DeAndre Hopkins yet. And this is a game that could catapult him even higher in week one. Um, yeah, I mean, this is going to be a high-scoring game. Both offenses are going to click, and I think Hopkins is absolutely primed to have a monster day. We're talking, you know, we could be looking at eight plus catches, 80 plus yards, maybe a couple tutties. You know, I mean, you know, we could go, we could be going ham on this um, come next week when we're looking back. But uh, yeah, great, great matchup for Hopkins. Second chalk, Calvin Ridley. I mean, now now that Julio Jones is out of Atlanta, he's the undisputed number one dog. I thought, honestly, last year he was never – take the injuries out of the equation. When both guys were on the field at the same time last year, I still thought Calvin Ridley was way better than Julio Jones at this point in his career. Ridley's one of the best route runners in the league, um, has great rapport with Matt Ryan, and led the league with – eight 100-plus-yard games last season. So the guy is consistent, and he's phenomenal. Um, going up against a pretty subpar Eagles pass defense, you know, as I said, no Julio to eat up the targets. Yeah, they got Kyle Pitts, but, you know, and, and I do like him. I do like Pitts in the long run. I even like him in this game, but... Let's bear in mind he's still a rookie. Let's we haven't seen any meaningful, you know, NFL film on him yet. So until we do and we see how he fits in to Atlanta's offense, I think it's you know full steam ahead for Calvin Ridley. Um, another little fun fact: Darius Slay, cornerback for Philly, allowed a hundred and fifteen point six passer rating when targeted last year. Um, ouch! Ouch! Dude's going to get eaten alive by Calvin Ridley. So <laughs> I'm, I I think we're looking 10-plus catches, 100-plus yards, and, and probably an end zone visit or two. Um, yeah, th- and this could be a, another sneaky high-scoring game as well because neither defense is particularly good. Um, I know, yeah, yeah I kind of poo-pooed on Jalen Hurts a little bit um, earlier. And, you know, I, I, once again, I think for good reason. But... Um, you know, th- this is one of those games where it, it is very much a wide range of possible outcomes here. Um, but for Ridley specifically, I am full steam ahead and I uh, think he's going to be pretty much matchup proof all season. But especially in week one, I, wide receiver one all day. Uh, finally, got uh, Robbie Anderson in Carolina, who I really like this week. Um, you know, he he already hit a career high um, 
eight and a half targets a game last year with Teddy Bridgewater throwing him the rock. Uh, got his first thousand yard campaign. Um, Bridgewater's not there anymore, but they did bring in Sam Darnold, who he's familiar with with his New York Jets days. And uh, Darnold did get him the ball more than anyone else while they played in New York. So I think the fam- uh, familiarity can definitely help him out, um, especially as Darnold gets used to the new offense and and all the components around him. Um, as I alluded to, you know, eight and a half targets a game, that's a lot. Dude's going to get his volume and the Jets secondary allowed 7.3 yards per target and 2.1 receiving touchdowns per game. That's a recipe for a big day. Now, I mean, I think it's Robbie starting out this week, but you could very just just as easily say basically the same thing about DJ Moore. Uh, we already know Christian McCaffrey is going to get his volume. He's the workhorse. He's going to get his touches, you know, no matter what. But from a, a receiving standpoint, I really like Robbie Anderson this week. A um, couple guys that uh, I'm going to poo-poo on now that uh, you might disagree with, um, but hear me out. Allen Robinson, I believe, uh, is the second highest targeted receiver last year. Um, I, I'm not confident in his week one matchup against the Rams. Uh, everybody knows the quarterback situation in Chicago. You're going to start Andy Dalton, another you know subpar, borderline bad quarterback. Um, seems to be a recurring theme in Chicago. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop those thoughts right there and say, look, Mitch Trubisky was not a bad quarterback. He's just a quarterback that was limited in what he can do, but what he could do, he was pretty good at. And Allen Robinson, you know, saw the dividends of that. Andy Dalton is not as good of a quarterback as Mitchell Trubisky, and. He's also not as good of a quarterback as Justin Fields. But chances are we're not going to see Justin Fields on the field this early in the season. So once, you know, to summarize, he's kind of held up by a bad quarterback situation. Um, the offensive line is poor. PFF grades him out at, at 28th, which really, I mean, it, if you're looking for anything downfield, Probably not going to happen because Dalton just isn't going to have the time against that awesome Rams front four. And if you remember back to last season, Jalen Ramsey actually held him to four catches last year. And the only reason he, you know, he got, it was four catches and 70 yards, kept him out of the end zone. Only reason he got 70 yards is because he caught a 42 yard completion. I mean, other than that, he was absolutely shut down and, I'm fully confident that Jalen Ramsey can and will handle Allen Robinson again in week one. So he's a guy that I would probably steer away from if you can. Um, Another guy coming in right now with a lot of hype, a lot of preseason hype, is uh, Callaway out of New Orleans. Um, Obviously with Michael Thomas out, you know, he's going to be out for the first six weeks. well, six games, rather. Uh, Callaway has developed some some pretty good rapport with Jameis Winston here in the preseason, and so it's a lot. It's led to a lot of hype 
coming into the regular season, I am encouraging everyone to pump the brakes because outside of Callaway, there's no receiver on that roster that I feel is even worth mentioning. Um, I think that uh, the Saints are going to game plan through Alvin Kamara. That's the right thing to do. The Packers were not good against the run last season, so Kamara is definitely going to be the focal point. Not to mention, if you do try to air it out, which Jameis does like to do, he loves to stretch the ball and or stretch the field rather, and you know take take chances and move the ball downfield quickly. Green Bay's got a very solid secondary, and chances are Callaway is going to be covered by J- uh, Jair Alexander who pro bowler last year and allowed just a 68.3 QB rating um, on everything that came his way. Um, Not looking good for for Callaway here this week. I would stay away from him. And lastly, um, another preseason hype guy, Jamar Chase with Cincinnati. Don't love the drops. You know, he just recently came out and said that he was having trouble seeing the ball because it doesn't have the the little white stripe on the nose of the ball that they do in college. So it's harder to track the ball. Um, everything's coming in, you know, a little bit faster. Um, I, you know, maybe I'm reading into it a little bit too much, but still, I mean, we we saw it in the preseason. It was a it was a lot of drops, a lot of uh, inconsistency. And, you know, there's no reason to believe that that can't bleed into the opening weeks here until he becomes, you know, more adjusted. Now, I know he's super talented, and I think his long-term prospects are are very good. But as of right now, the drops and, honestly, the depth at the position, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd have done a really good job, you know, being that one-two punch for Joe Burrow before he he went down. and even then, last year after Burrow did go down, both of those guys still produced and, and did pretty well. Uh, Joe Mixon's healthy, so they're probably going to um, you know run the ball a little bit more, try to you know keep some of the uh, workload off of Joe Burrow for the time being until he can prove that he's a hundred percent back and and ready to go. And I think Jamar Chase is probably, at least for the short term, the odd man out as far as you know, the, the production. Um, I know Minnesota's defense is weak against the pass. So, I mean, on paper, the matchup looks good. Young secondary routinely gets burned. I just don't know that he's going to have the opportunities. So he, he's a guy that I'm, I'm leaning on staying away from. Um, moving on, going into uh, tight ends. A um, couple of big names. You know, your, your must-starts, your George Kittles of the world. Um, Detroit, <laughs> I mean, Detroit's not going to stop anybody. Uh, they allowed the third most passing yards last year. Uh, Kittle averages, before, you know, I believe in the eight games that he played, uh, 79 yards a game. Detroit's just, at best, middle of the pack against tight ends. Um, you know, San Francisco's done a lot to improve on the offensive side of the ball, and it is a run-heavy scheme. So I, I do think game script will result in, you know, a, 
at least second half rushing, but I do believe the first half they uh, they the, the Niners will be aggressive. I do think George Kittle will be a large part of that. So I think that um, you know he can definitely pile up early since once again Detroit's defense is not in the best position to stop anybody, especially someone of Kittle's caliber. Uh, moving on, we got Mark Andrews in Baltimore. Uh, we already touched on Lamar Jackson. I think having a big game against the Raiders, Mark Andrews is his favorite red zone target. Um, he's one of the few healthy pass catchers that uh, Jackson has rapport with. And um, honestly, the lack of the proven running back talent, I think, bumps his touchdown potential in the red zone. Um, we know that Baltimore is a run-heavy team. And, you know, if it's not Jackson, it would be Gus Edwards or Dobbins or anybody just running the ball in. Without without those guys on the field, I could see Andrews, you know, we, we could be talking about a career high in, in receiving touchdowns this year. And I don't think that this week is going to prove any obstacle for him. Um, the Raiders allowed the most points to t- uh, tight ends last year. And Andrews is just way too good. To not capitalize on that. So he's a guy that I am very high on on week one. And then finally, Tyler Higby with the Rams. Yeah, Higby doesn't have to compete with Gerald Everett anymore. Um, Chicago's defense allowed the second most points to tight ends uh, per Yahoo scoring last season. Um, Stafford's probably going to be airing the ball out quite a bit. So I think Tyler Higby is a great play. Uh, somebody that you probably scooped up uh, fairly late in your fantasy drafts. Should prove to be a pretty good bargain here moving on into week one. Uh, some guys that I don't care for, uh, Robert Tunyon, Green Bay. Um, I know he came onto the scene and, you know, in already a very thin tight end position was a very welcome add to the folks that got him last season. The 11 touchdowns was a godsend, um, and I think it honestly put him in what I probably is the third highest scoring tight end in in fantasy last year, uh, depending on your scoring. Um, listen, I'm not, I'm not confident that's going to happen again. Touchdown regression is likely. You know, as I said, the 11 touchdowns came on just 59 targets. So it's not like Aaron Rodgers is throwing the ball to this guy a lot. It's just, you know, I mean, basically you're looking for touchdowns and, you know, you could you could be seeing regular stat lines of two or three catches for 25 to 35 yards and you hope for a touchdown. That's not really where you're trying to go with a tight end one. Um, you know, I, I would be trying to get somebody a little more consistent and um, not to mention the Saints, they started off last season a little rough with uh, with tight end production, but over their last, what, uh, eight games, nine games, they allowed just three touchdowns to tight ends. So after week seven, um, that's something to keep in mind. I'm not very high on the Saints defense this year. You know, I do think they lost quite a bit uh, due to cap casualties, but once again, I, I just don't think Robert Tunyon's the guy that I would be looking for this week. Um, Noah Fant, another guy I'm not really high on this week. It seems like injuries can't get out of his way. 
Um, he's got the ongoing leg or ankle injuries. Um, the Giants only gave up four touchdowns to tight ends last season, which was tied for fifth best. You got Cortland Sutton coming back, Jerry Judy in another year. Teddy Bridgewater knows how to distribute the ball, and I think he's going to be looking at his receivers a lot more because of the talent there. Um, on top of just you know Denver being primarily a run-first team, so I just I I like the long-term prospects of Fant. I think that he he could be one of those borderline tight end ones down the road. Just for week one. With the injuries, you know, lingering, even if he's healthy, I just don't like the matchup against the Giants. Then lastly, Anthony Ferkser in Tennessee has been uh, kind of regarded as a sleeper, if you will, um, just due to the the fact that the Titans throw to the tight ends um, the fifth most in the league. So that was part of Arthur Smith's, uh, you know, run-heavy and tight end-heavy scheme now that he's departed and has left for Atlanta, we're still kind of figuring out where uh, Anthony Ferkser is going to fit in. So he kind of has an undefined role. Um, splitting time he, uh, splitting time with uh, Jeff Swaim didn't really set himself apart like everybody thought he might. So one of those guys that I think that um, if Tennessee plays – a similar style of ball that they have the last couple seasons than Ferkser's prospects as, you know, a sleeper tight end and a guy that you get at the end of the draft. Yeah. The value is going to be there. Um, I'm just not comfortable with it right now. Um, maybe he gets a, a little bit of a bump if Swain isn't available due to COVID, but you know, at, until we can see what role he's going to play in the offense, he's a guy that I'm staying away from. All right, uh, you know that's that's going to wrap up our past catchers here. Um, hit me up in the comments. Let me know what you think. If if I missed anybody, when we come back for the final segment, uh, I'm just going to touch on uh, a few defenses that I like for week one, a few that I don't like, and then we're going to wrap up the pilot episode. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back to the final segment of the show. Thank you so much for sitting through this with me and uh, keeping me, you know, uh, at least imaginary company here as I'm, you know, feeling my way through the show and, um, you know, still still working out a couple kinks. I'm getting comfortable with, uh, with the structure of the show and... Um, definitely open to some suggestions. What do you guys want to hear? Uh, what do you think of the show? Like it, love it, hate it. You know, let me know in the comments. Um, you know, really excited to be, to be doing this and, um, definitely want to, you know, help kind of get my name out there and, um, yeah, just really just talking about fantasy sports, you know, primarily fantasy football, you know, just, Something that uh, I've played for so long that I really enjoy. I get really excited about each and every year. Um, you know, just being able to share some of the, uh, you know, some of the insights, some of the knowledge and opinions, and um, you know, that, honestly, that's part of what what makes sports great is is the great debate and 
you know, the, uh, you know, the trash talk and the difference of, of opinions and, and all the stuff that comes along with it. So once again, you know, thank you for, for joining me on this journey, you know, coming along for the ride, uh, in this last segment here, just want to touch on a couple defenses for week one that I think are going to be, uh, you know, your, your best bets for, uh, for scoring here. Um, the first one's pretty easy. You know, the, uh, the Rams going up against the bears, I think is, um, I mean, you were, you were already drafting the Rams defense as a top unit anyway. So, I mean, these guys were, you know, a, a unit that you were going to start in most, if not all your matchups anyway, but this matchup against the bears is just, I mean, <laughs> what better way to start out the season, I guess, um, you know, there's only, you know, you can probably count on one hand the, the teams that you'd rather face than the Bears. Um, you know, if I if I could put the Rams defense, especially, you know, the Aaron Donalds and, and those guys up against Andy Dalton every week, man, what a dream that would be. But, um, you know, I mean, just ex- expect pressure versus a bad offensive line. Uh, the Rams D-line ranks fourth, according to pro football focus. The Bears offensive line, 28th. So, once again, expect a lot of pressure, expect mistakes out of Dalton. Um, the Bears are going to have a rough time. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I think that kind of goes without saying. That one is easy. Um, my second choice is the Denver Broncos against the Giants. Um, listen, I, and I, honestly, I think it's for just about the exact same reasons I mentioned with the Rams. The quarterback situation in New York is not good. Daniel Jones is in his prove-it year, and he has not shown what it takes to be an NFL-caliber quarterback. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the pass rush with Vaughn Miller coming back, and you, obviously you got bookended with Bradley Chubb. You got one of the best uh, pass-rushing duos in football today. And, um, you know, health-permitting, I think that uh, you know Denver's going to get after Jones quite a bit. Um, you know the the Giants' offensive line not very good, as as we alluded to earlier in the uh, Saquon Barkley assessment. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think this could be a pretty ugly game for the Giants' offense as a whole. So I would start Denver with confidence. And finally, it's my last love for the week: uh, Green Bay's defense. Um, I really like the experience secondary. I think they can force mistakes from Jameis Winston, especially if they go up early and, um, you know, they, they kind of take the ball or, or at the very least the game script away from Alvin Kamara and force Winston to try to move the ball downfield. I really think that's where green Bay can and will succeed. Um, really like green Bay's prospects here to, uh, to nab a couple turnovers from Jameis. Uh, and on the flip side of that, some defenses I'm not crazy about this week, the Saints. You know, uh, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to eat this week. Uh, the Saints lost some key vets, you know, like Janoris Jenkins, for example, top corner, um, you know, to, to cap casualties. Um, you know, I think there, there's still some good pieces. You got Cam Jordan, of course. Um, you know, as the leader of the team, leader of that defense. But I think that, you know, against this stacked Green Bay offense, there's I don't think there's a, a 
corner alive that can keep up with Devontae Adams. And, you know, Aaron Jones is is a stud running back. Rodgers is coming off an MVP season. So I'm really looking for Green Bay to be able to put up some points, move the ball with relative ease, and uh, the Saints would definitely be uh, a defense I'm staying away from this week. Um, If I haven't made it clear, the Titans' defense is to be avoided this week. Even with the overhauled secondary and the pass rush, Kyler is just too good. The Cardinals' offense will move the ball. Tennessee, I expect, should be relatively powerless to stop them. Um, it's I think it's a defense that's going to need a little time to round into form. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's a defense that I would definitely stay away from. And finally, staying in the AFC South, the Colts' defense. Um, I don't like the matchup against an elite Seattle offense. Russell Wilson is still, uh, despite his second-half struggles of last season, Still an elite fantasy contributor. You got two great receivers, uh, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Chris Carson. is back, healthy, and productive. Uh, they've addressed the uh, offensive line a little bit. They've gotten uh, tight end short up a little bit. Um, you know, Russ is happy. He's not threatened to, you know, maybe get traded to Chicago or something ridiculous again. Um, no, I I, I would definitely look at Seattle being able to move the ball on the Colts' defense. Uh, so that's that's a defense that I am staying away from. Well, man, what are we, about an hour or so in? Wow. that That's it, folks. That That's a wrap. That's all I got for you. Um, man, kind of goes over quick, doesn't it? Hopefully uh, not too quick for some of you guys. But um, listen, I'm going to be doing this each and every week. Look forward to uh, getting some some feedback from you guys, whatever it is you'd like to hear from me, um, ideas for segments, anything like that. Um, would love to get some feedback. Thank you again for giving me the time to uh, you know to to share some thoughts, share some opinions. Hopefully, give you some positive fantasy feedback. Answer any questions that you get. Um, let me know what I can do to make this podcast slash show slash episodic, whatever it is a little bit better, uh, each and every week. I look forward to doing this and, um, yeah, man, honestly, just can't wait for next week. Want to keep this going all season long. So once again, look forward to hearing back everyone. It's football season. Get excited. Get amped. Let's go.